Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is January 5th, 2015, and this is episode 104. My name is Jake English, and I am here, as always, riding on the coattails of one Mr. Scott Magnus. Don't you know it? Now, if you're listening to our voices right now, it's most likely that you're doing it on the new on the improved yeah, let's not go that far. birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. It's our website where we, we host this podcast and we run an occasional blog. And Scotty Tuhati over here has worked very hard on updating the look and the feel, and we'd love to know what you think of it. Go to the website. The look. The feel. You really going to do the cotton thing? A bird's eye. Oh, Lord. Anyway, tell us what you think. The podcast of your life. If you're listening to our voices right now, first of all, I'm sorry about Scott. Second of all, it's also possible that you found us on the Baltimore Sports Report Network, which can be found at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. Here you can find our show and many others that are absolutely great. We really do uh, love the other shows on the the network. It shows uh, about Baltimore sports, about the Orioles, about the Ravens, and somewhat off the beaten path, things like the Caps, the Wizards, Maryland, and Towson. And athletics programs, just about anything you could need for this particular media market. Capitals. Indoor soccer? I think that's the game they play on the horseback with the mallets. Oh, with the mallets. Gotcha. Either gotcha. The, the, one the horse mallet ones. Either that or the pool. I oh, can't the get pool, them where they're kicking the ball into the net. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we do encourage you to, to go ahead and listen to uh, BSR's daily podcast, which, of course, is called BSR Today. Uh, it's, a, it's a really great program, and we, uh, we co-sign on that. If you want to use a third-party program to go ahead and get our, our, our show, we really encourage that. We recommend Stitcher. Stitcher. Use Stitcher. You can also find us at Mirror and Double Twist, and if you absolutely have to, I guess you can use that Apple product. Yep, support the communists. <laughs> We're also available on social media. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BEVcast. Look, you can circle us on Google+. We've got a, a YouTube channel and all that good stuff, but the best place to find us, the really best way to do it, is to find us on the Twitters where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And Scotty, with all that crap out of the way, the really important question is here for us. Let's dive into it. What is your drink of the week? Jake, uh, I am ringing in 2015 with a familiar beverage. I have a Irish whiskey over rocks with a dab of Coca-Cola on top. Do you always have to make me look like such a sissy? Uh, it's yummy tonight. That's all I can say. With a clipper coming in, it's pretty nice. I am drinking a 16-ounce pounder of National Bohemian. To be fair, that's a classy beverage. I like any beverage that winks and throws a mustache at me. Dude, it's, it's a, it's a mustachioed I, beverage. I'm pretty impressed that you went with the Pounders. Bravo, sir. Bravo. You're, you are a true Baltimore hero. I'm, I may have had some help. Somebody else went to the, uh, somebody else went to the store to, to get that for me. So go Sarah. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you're, uh, if you're interested in drinking, we're on untapped, both Scott and I, I am at Jake E four zero two five. Scott is at M A G N 8606. And those, all go to the Twitter. So come. They all go to the Twitter. And before we leave tonight, you're going to have to give me your phone so I can get rid of those award symbols that constantly post on Twitter. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Yes, anyway, come friend us or whatever they call it on Untapped. Come see what we're drinking. We'd love to know what your drink of the week is. And with no further ado, Scotty, let's the- go. To, let's go to the twat this week on the Twitter. So this goes into no apologies necessary. And this comes from at Brett Hollander. Um, he says, and this is on Christmas Day. Yeah, I put out game two of the ALDS in the office and i won't apologize for it brett hollander bravo bravo sir you're doing you're doing good things over there wbal congratulations keep up the good work i can't say enough about that AL, alds game too i it's good for what ails you it is 
Next, um, first of all, we're just going to throw a shout out to our good friend Charlie Hoppus of the Maybe Dead, Maybe Not uh, Orioles Spastics podcast. Hey, they do two podcasts a season, okay? That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's a semi-annual. Yeah. Um, Charlie started clearing out his his childhood room, uh, and he was apparently a hoarder. Yes, and his, very much so. And his stuffed animals were buried alive. Yes. And he found things, and they were things that ranged from stuff that doesn't matter to the most important. And and when I say the most important, here's a good example. It's a picture, which, of course, will really translate well in this audio podcast. It's a picture of a, a Washington Post from uh, the All-Star Game, Cal's Last. Uh, the article right up front on Splash on the front page says, Cal's Midsummer Classic. And the tweet was, at MLB Fan Cave, better send-off, actually. Charlie, clean out every room you've ever had and keep bringing us this treasure. I don't know anybody, though, that would have been in high school that would have kept newspaper clippings in his closet. It's not even that. He kept the weirdest crap. Yeah. Go, go check out, uh, is it at Charlie Hoppus 11 I, I believe that he was posting directly to his tweet. Yes, so yeah. Charlie Hoppus at 11. Charlie Hoppus eleven. Go, go check it out and look at just the weird crap that he kept from childhood. It's it's amazing. He's a weirdo. So anyway, but go, we love you. But we love you. Um. So this goes into the yeah sure I guess category, and it's from Matt Kremnitzer. Um, and he posts on Twitter. Nothing about an Ichiro signing would make any sense. Just give those innings to David Lowe. I hate this tweet. Really? I hate this tweet. Okay, because he's right? I hate this tweet <laughs> because part of it I love and part of it I hate. Okay. Obviously, I do not want Ichiro here. I have a hard time giving more innings to David Lowe, so I'm going to give him partial credit. And Matt, of course, posts at uh, Camden Depot, which we highly recommend from a more sabermetric standpoint. So You would, yeah. sir. You would. What can I say? Go over to Camden Depot and uh, take a look at it uh, if you want to get some alternate sabermetric viewpoints about the Orioles. Um, speaking about other sabermetric viewpoints, great puns. Can, can I take this one? Because I, I, you, you posted this one, but I loved it. Yes, I loved every bit yes. of it. All right, uh, Sam Miller. This he, is from, he posts on Baseball Perspectives, yeah, by the way. He tweets at Sam Miller BP. Yep. the The tweet reads as follows, and I'm going to try not to screw this up. Why would a comic say that a joke killed when it could say it committed man's hyphen laughter? You got it. It's manslaughter. Yeah, manslaughter. That's beautiful. It's brilliant. Brilliant. That's the kind of pun I aspire yes. to. I came that, across that. It's just like, oh, that's great. And you, of course, know what that is in reference to, what comic book that's in reference to, right? Really? You don't know what that's in reference to? Okay. Well, you lost points in my book now. Womp womp. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're going to rectify that. Um, the other thing that was the big thing that came out on Twitter, which we really need to recognize is... Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer is on Twitter. Yeah, cakes. Yeah, cakes. So uh, Ravens Road Warrior, you can follow him at 7th Gypsy, basically was trying to get everyone to follow Jim Palmer and also get him verified and says, everyone, at Jim22Palmer, who, of course, is Jim Palmer, needs to be at verified, retreat to do your, to do owes your part to help this great Oriole. Hashtag memories. The fact that Jim Palmer is on Twitter is a great thing. Now, let me ask you, do you think it's him or do you think it's his handlers? It's him. All right. There's no question in my mind. All, looking at some of the awkward tweets that he's put out there, it is absolutely him. Are they all about himself? No, they're not, actually. But well, they, then that is a strike against it they, being that him. That is a strike against it, but it's just awkward enough that he must have like a 50-year-old secretary doing it for him, if that's nice. the case. I like that. <laughs> uh, all I, right. Lastly, we've, we've got uh, a little something here. I, I don't know if you caught this news story, Scott, but I, I found it, and it was basically saying... I was that, at work. You were sitting at your house building a bar so continue Probably. on there was like a three alarm fire or something like that a three, a three alarm response rather to smoke coming out of the warehouse and so i tweeted out smoke at the uh, oriel park camden yards warehouse brings the fire department i now feel guilty for this off season is a dumpster fire joke all right so haha jake's really funny aaron chauncey he he, he just finished it off i yeah. teed it up he knocked it out of the park uh, and he he responded to us at Bird's Eye View Ball. Maybe they've chosen a new owner, kind of like when the Vatican signals a new pope. Bra- bravo. Yes. Bravo. You, sir, are a true champion. That we, is what Twitter is you. for. Yes. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. So when we make crappy jokes, you come and you fix the next one. Speaking of people who are just fixing things left and right, Scotty, you have had a great idea. It's, I, it, it doesn't happen often, but in this case, this is an important one. Folks, Come on back after the music. We've got something that you have to pay attention to. 
because it's the only important thing that we've ever done with this podcast. Would you think if I sang out it too, would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song, and I'll try not to sing out a key. Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends. Mm, I get high with a little help from my friends. Mm, gonna try with a little help from my friends. All right, Birdland Beyond, we have come here tonight with a mission, a mission to try to achieve a purpose with this podcast. And it only took us 104 times to get to this point of having a purpose of this podcast. But in this singular instance, it is important that you listen to us and follow through with what we are going to tell you. We here at Bird's Eye View have often worked with various members of Birdland to support the Orioles. However, this time we are turning the tables around and asking Birdland to support a fan as we try to get them into the Orioles Hall of Fame. So I want everyone to go to our site after they listen to the podcast. I want you to go to one of our articles and sign the petition uh, for who we're going to be sending to Orioles Advocates. And right now we're going to be talking to Romeo Santos about this experience of possibly getting into the Orioles Hall of Fame and also about the Orioles offseason. So, Romeo Santos, welcome to Bird's Eye View. Thanks for having me. So, Romeo, you know, we do a, this segment uh, on our show. It's called Drink of the Week, and it's basically a opportunity for me and Jake to um, drink extensively while talking about Orioles. Po- Orioles uh, and, you know, that was necessary for years in the past. But since 2012, that's pretty much just been a, a, an added benefit for us while we're doing this pod- podcast. It, it's more uh, social drinking rather than uh, medicinal drinking, if you will. Yeah, you, keep, <laughs> you keep telling yourself that. So our question for you, first question in the interview is, Romeo, what's your drink of the week? My drink of the week is a stuff called kombucha. It's fermented tea, and it tastes horrible, what? but it's it's so healthy for you. So, how do you spell that exactly? Oh goodness, C O U C O B U C H A C H I. So, it's, come on, I'm a city city graduate. Yeah, dude. Since, since when is there a spelling test on this show? Look, Come on. Now. I just wanted to figure right. out if the spelling was even worse than how it was going to taste. So if it's if the spelling <laughs> is as bad as it's going to taste, then uh, I think we've started started off where we need to be. So, um, it's god-awful. It, it's terrible. God. Well, I, first, I mean, and foremost, let's just set the scene. Um, I, I first became familiar with you because we sat in a section with you, and, and you kind of took over the 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 seats in in a very positive way you know at first i i looked at you there with your one of your boog pal helmets and uh and and just wild enthusiasm i thought wow this guy knows how to have fun but as the game wore on you know i i got it you know i kind of bought in leading cheers getting people excited talking to a lot of fans i think is is really what was exciting you're your passion and just the enjoyment that you take out of a ball game was totally apparent so what i want to ask you is this when when people tell you that they just don't get it, that they don't get this thing that you do, they don't get your passion for the Orioles, what do you try to tell them to explain it? Well, the first thing, the first and foremost, it's it's my outlet. It's been my outlet since I was a kid. Um, when my uh, my wife had passed about three years ago and dealing with her battle with cancer, it was my outlet. Going to baseball games was my my getaway, get away from that, that craziness of cancer and, and to just be there, be a part of the game and, and, and to do it, like you said, in a positive way. Uh, I'm not one uh, to go out there and to try to talk the other team. I'm the one to go out there and to cheer on my O's, win, win or lose. I remember those, those years when we weren't winning for no one, nothing. And it was just to be out there and to see my birds play, to see my O's give it all they got. It, it's, it's the best. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if you don't get it, um, you just got to get out there. And, you know, uh, an old friend of mine said, if you've never been to a baseball game, come come with me. Come with Romeo, and, and he'll show you what it's all about. He'll show you what what, what real baseball is about. Because you can sit at home and watch it on Madden, and that's great. That's wonderful. I've done that many, many times. But when you're at the ballpark and you smell Boog's barbecue, you see the ushers up and down, you see the birds play, you smell the grass, you, you – you, it is just something you have to be there. If you don't get it, you you got to go. You just got to go. Because most people who don't get it don't go. 
they see it on TV, you know, and they don't think much of it. You got to get to the ballpark. You got to get to Camden Yards. And you know how people say it's the best ballpark in baseball? They're not lying. It really is. And once you go to these other ballparks, it's no comparison. Camden Yards is the best ballpark in major leagues. So for, you know, almost a decade, the Orioles were, you know, in the bottom of the American League East. And now from 2012, 2013, 2014, we've had a very competitive team. Yeah, we didn't get to the playoffs in 2013, but that team was competitive all the way up into the end of the season. It's been a great three years. And during those three years, we've seen a rash of people enter into the stadium, namely various super fans that hadn't been there before. Um, what do you think about this rash of costume super fans that have started to pop up over the past few years? Um, when do you guys start building your justice leaking at, at, at Camden Yards? It's already there. I mean, you have so, so many amazing fans out there. And, it was, you know, sometimes it was just an extra jolt. You know, they were always there. Carnay, he was always there. You know, the weirdos were always there. They were always there, but they needed that extra jolt to say, well, let's get crazy. You know, instead of doing it once a season, let's do it every game. We're winning. We're winning. And they just needed that extra jolt. And some of the people are just really young people. And just, you know, I mean, I, you know, my, my thing kind of evolved to just the helmet and the traditions that I go do there, the charity work. I did the cape thing. I did the face painting thing. And it was fun. But, you know, to get out there and really do that, that's a lot of work. And that just shows how much passion that Oceans have. To see... Um, Carne go out there with his little skibbies and his mask and his cape. I mean, that is amazing to see the weirdos, all that whole family dressing up. That is the best. I mean, you know, a lot of people like I have friends with all, you know, people are bandwagon. No, 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 no. That's not true. These are real fans. It takes work to do these things. And there's so many amazing people out there. Some of my best friends I met at the ballpark. Right. And it's just crazy. I mean, it's definitely a big a, a community thing that has formed in uh, Oriole Park over the past three years. It, I mean, there was a, definitely a tight-knit community of people that were constantly going even during the dark times. But over the past three years, it really seems like it's a situation where this city has really come to embrace the Orioles and really build a stronger community. Um, one of the things that me and Jake have talked about and other people have talked about in a controversial aspect is the Seven Nation Army chant that's been going on at uh, Orioles games. And it's come under criticism from multiple parties because people are saying it's tired, it's overplayed, it's done in a lot of other stadiums. Mm-hmm. Me and Jake have weighed on the, in on this before. We've had our disagreements on it. But we decided to come to you as the expert. Are you for or against the Seven Nation Army chant at the Orioles games? Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing about the, the seven. For one, I'm a big White Stripes fan. Love them. Jack White's the genius. We are too. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But to, the, 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 you know, it started in the Ravens, and it was just, you know, his new song, and it just they took it, and it, it, it grew from a Ravens thing to a Baltimore thing, and it is a Baltimore. We took it. You know, it is our song. As much as saying, oh, at the national anthem, anthem, it's not going to go any away. They try to take away Country Boy uh, in uh, 79, 80 or whatever and replace it with Orioles Magic, which is a phenomenal song. But we weren't having it. Baltimore people weren't having it. And they're not going to take away Southern Nation Army. It's not going away anytime soon. We will always say it. It's a part of Baltimore now. So love it or hate it, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you're at, you go to a ranch. You go to those games and we're kicking butt. I guarantee you, you're gonna you're gonna be singing that 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 tune because everyone else is gonna be singing it. Fair point. Uh, very very well stated. Certainly more poetic than either Scott or I would have would have mentioned it. Although I did <laughs> I do like twist and shout during the seventh inning stretch, but that's just me. But um, Jake, I think you had <laughs> a question. Once the wave, you you have to do it. No matter what, come on, man. Here comes the wave. Got to do it. Well, you know, I, I, that's I don't. Another, that's another conversation. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to get into a conversation about yeah. the wave. I, this is too 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 <laughs> polite company for that. But let me ask you this: um, you know, the the Orioles, it, it's it was so different before they started winning because they were lovable losers, and now that the stakes are just so much higher. Um, the Orioles lost what what we all consider to be a cornerstone of the franchise in Nick Marquez, who, mm. um, you know, now that he's gone after nine years in the Orioles. You look at what he accomplished here. He's seventh on the all-time list for uh, hits uh, on, on the Orioles. 
um, right behind uh, someone you may know well in Boog Powell. This comes right mm-hmm. after a year that we lost another longtime Oriole, Brian Roberts, who ended up finishing his career of all places in New York with the Yankees. Let me ask you this. Put on your Dan Duquette hat rather than your Boog Powell hat. How do the Orioles go about replacing a franchise player like that, and, and how do they sell that to the fans? Well, you know, it's. I think a lot of people, you know, they talk about Duquette, they talk about Angelos, and these are hearts in the game. Our heart, my heart is in the game. You know, I know yours is too. I know, that, you know, 40,000 other fans, you know, it's the same thing. But at the end of the day, it is a business. It is. And you can't take a risk of paying a, uh, um, a player $40, $45 million to get a surgery. There's a possibility. I mean, they, were, they knew something was up, so they didn't want to take that risk. And Nick, I, I hope he comes back. He's one, he is my favorite player. He is. And I hope he comes back as a four-time All-Star, because and, and, I know he's going to kill it in the National League. But they had to do it. And, and I think whether we sign um, the Japanese guy, Oka, Oki, Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, we sign him, I personally would like to see him at right field because I think he's a, got the speed, he's got the talent. I think he can be that um, replacement for Nick. I mean, no one's going to replace Nick. No one replace, No one still has stepped up to replace Bryant. Yeah. Bryant, I mean, no one has. I mean, he's, uh, Jonathan's still growing, right? And whoever they replace uh, Nicky with, it, it's just going to have they'll work it out. It, they, it always happens. Everything falls into place. And Dan Duquette, he really is a genius. I mean, we just saw, you know, Blue Jays tried to steal him from us. And, and you know, it's just, it's, he's a genius, you know, um, and Dan Duquette, I trust. So. There you go. Um, let's go. And I want to talk about the hall of fame and, you know, I had this idea ever since that you came out and, you know, you had the ESPN Hall of Fame situation. You've been nominated as a finalist both in 2013 and 2014. And each year I say to myself, Romeo is absolutely going to win this year. There's no question in my mind he's going to win. And then ESPN somehow picks somebody from Boston as a Red Sox fan and says, hey, we're going to pick this 90-year-old lady and make her a, a Hall of Fame. And, you know... I can kind of understand that, but at the same point, like I said, I can't think of another super fan that I've ever met that really has the passion that deserves this honor. So I was like, that really chapped my butt, really, going through the past few weeks. I and mean, I was like, I can't believe that happened again. And then well, I had I had this idea, Romeo, and I was just like, hey, what if we could get him into the Orioles Hall of Fame? And I started doing some research, and I came across the Wild Bill Hagee Award, and I was like, hey, the Orioles haven't used this in a few years. Let's you know, let's dust this off and see if the Orioles would be given consideration to getting some of these super fans in here. And I kind of proposed it to you, and you were like, yeah, that sounds like a pretty cool idea. Um, but, like, what would it mean to you to be inducted into the Orioles Hall of Fame for you and both your family as well? Well, you know, that that is the biggest honor anyone, any fan, any player can have. And it, it's up to the Orioles advocates, it's up to the fans, and to, to even be thought about being on that wall on Utah Street is is insane for me. I mean, I feel as though, you know, there are certain fans that are a part of Camden Yards. Like, literally, like, every time I go and I see Tina, I see Kristen, I see um, Amanda, I see Avi, I see Zazie, I see all the same guys that go to 80-something games, I see Stretch Lady, I, you know, Donna, I see all of them. And to literally be a part of Utah Street is completely insane. And it, it's like the highest honor. It's 10 times better than this ESPN Hall of Fame. This ESPN Hall of Fame is great. It's wonderful. It's, it's the coolest thing. But that's taking it to a whole nother level. And, and I really appreciate you guys thinking about that. And if it does happen in the next few years, oh, my God. It just, for me, how I see it is just another medium to do some more fundraising in the community. Um by saying, look, you know, this, there's this guy in the Hall of Fame. Just go hang out with him and, and do some fundraiser. That's that's how I'm seeing it. Well, it's, it's can we talk a little bit about the fundraising? Because I, I know it's something you don't like to uh, pound your chest about, but I think it's something we do, we should uh, address. Now, you you have been raising some money for charities through your uh, um, activities at the ballpark. Is that correct? Yes, through the Orioles High Five program. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, so. Um, years ago, um, my wife was a, a veterinary technician and she loved animals and she wanted to raise money for animals. 
so here I am. I'm I'm married and you know, I got this wife that wants to raise money for animals, but I'm a baseball nut, so how can I put two and two together? Right? Smart man. So I found out that the Orioles had um fundraisers, you know, for every ticket you sell five dollars goes to your charity. So I'm like, Hey, um, sweetie, let's let's do a fundraiser at Canyon Yard. It gets me in the ballpark without getting yelled at, right? And we do a lot of good. And uh, our very first fundraiser, and I'll never forget, is I I, I try to do fundraisers on giveaway nights, so it, it gives people incentive to come out and uh, have a good time, and they get a little T-shirt or a bobblehead or you know, whatever giveaway they're having. So the very first um, fundraiser we hosted was the Nick Markakis bobblehead. I think it was 2008. And we, I think we got like 200 people. And then next thing you know, it's 250 people. It's 300 people. The most we've sold is like 800. Wow. The goal next year is 1,500. That's the one game. Yeah. And we do a game usually like once a month, give or take, depending on if it's a holiday or if it's a nice giveaway. Um, some games we like some games we only do 40 tickets like during the week, but, um, we have to do like bingos and, and other various charity, uh, events out of the ballpark. But the majority of the money raised is through Canyon Yards. And we started like, you know, it was just honey do stuff like go sell tickets, do this, that, you know, now it's, um, I still do it. My wife was the, uh, chairman of our fundraising group now since she's going i've been running the fundraising group and we've been raising tons 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 of money um not just for the maryland spca our primary um charity but we've also raised it for gold star mothers wounded warriors um the maryland red devils which is a local nonprofit uh, breast cancer organization and i think the best part about um learning all this stuff about fundraising is teaching other people to do it in the army, they call it force multipliers, right? Um, <laughs> where like two of my buddies who we've go- grown close because they're both of their parents, their mothers had breast cancer. My wife had breast cancer at the same time. And, and like we bonded through baseball and, and that tragedy and they wanted to do something for the community. They wanted to do some fundraiser. So they started the orange devils for the Maryland red devils. And they raised thousands of dollars throughout the last few years um, for the Maryland Red Devils helping uh, women directly with um, breast cancer payments, coming to clean their house, paying their gas and electric bill, amazing things like that. So it's not just SBCA or military, it's everything. And uh, keep still going at it. I mean, it's, I, it's, I think that perfectly exemplifies everything that we wanted to come to you with and kind of do this whole activity. And it's that whole situation of, you just have to be there, like you said, with at the ball game, and it, you just have to be there both at the ball game, but you also need to be out there in the community. And I think that really is what makes you um, just a great fan, but not not just a great fan, but just a great human being in general. So you know, we you know wanted to do this whole thing with you as a super fan, but at the same time, to go out there and do that in the community, yeah, I could just you know say anybody can do that, but really. It takes a lot of heart to go out and do that, especially given the situations that you're in. So I, I just like to say thank you very much for going out there and doing that in the oh, community. I, I mean, like I, I said, that's that. just greatly appreciate anybody that can go out there and support the local community. And, and you know, Scotty brought this to my attention uh, earlier this week and talking about what we we're going to do the show this week. And, and the more I got thinking about it, the more I, I, you know, wholeheartedly agreed with him. And just one thing, you know, again, I had that personal experience of, of meeting you for the first time at the ballpark in in the natural setting, if you will. But, you know, during this off season, which has been so quiet, um, you know, I've really latched on to things like when Masson plays, uh, Masson replays uh, of mm-hmm. like Orioles classics. And like I watched the 60th anniversary game the other night and like, you know, you get tingles, that, that kind of thing. And, and every time, you know, like I'm just uh, like I, I got a Chromecast, you know, which projects stuff from your computer to the TV. And I had to test it out with something right um so you know right after going christmas morning i'm trying it out so the first thing i did was i i tossed in the uh youtube clip of uh delman young clearing the bases on alds game two <laughs> and at the end of that clip there's a certain helmeted somebody uh cheering on his team down there at the concourse holding the sign and i thought to myself well of course why wouldn't he be there <laughs> and why why wouldn't they throw I, him on tv 
on a side note, I almost passed out because I jumped so <laughs> high out of my. I was. I mean, I wasn't sitting down, obviously, but I jumped when he knocked them runs in. I jumped so high when I landed, I started seeing stars. <laughs> I almost passed out because I was so excited. Let me ask you: have, have you ever been part of a better experience at the ballpark than that moment? Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, my, besides that moment, that mo- besides the Tower of Ten, um, twenty twelve. Statue, statue game. dedication game. Yeah, we were playing the Yankees, and I think uh, Chris Davis hit two home runs that game. Yep. Besides that game, that 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 game too. Oh my goodness, was amazing. I hear you. All right, so you. you know, I think we've covered the bases in terms of you know how amazing you both are as a fan, but also a human being. But I want to touch base back in baseball and finish this full circle. So. You know, the Orioles haven't been particularly active this offseason, and there's a lot of national pundits out there that are saying, eh, you know, the Orioles are inactive, the Red Sox are doing things, and the Yankees are doing things. You know, what are the Orioles going to do? And, you know, they're probably falling into the basement again. We're just going to come to the superfan. Romeo, what the, what are the Orioles going to do next year? Are they going to win the American League East again next year? They're they're going to make it to the playoffs, whether it's wild card or American League East. Okay. And here's here's the thing: I do a lot of minor league games. I love the ties. I love the keys. I love the Shorebirds, Ironbirds, and Bowie Bay Sox. And to get to see these players come up, you get to see everyone. You know, I remember seeing Steve Pierce playing for the Yankees AAA. I was like, man, this guy's got to be something. And then a month later, he's up from you know with the Orioles, yeah. right? <laughs> and look what he's doing. And the future first baseman of the Baltimore Orioles is going to be Christian Walker. Christian Walker. Everybody's like, oh, no one knows that. What's, what's Chris going to do? What's Chris going to do? No, no, no. By the end of next season, Christian Walker will be our everyday first baseman. I'm calling it. All right. From your, lips, I, from your lips to my ears, I'm going to take that as, <laughs> as the Bible right there. Um, so I got one final question for you for this interview, and it's what we always ask everybody. Final question, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Now, okay, that, that's a deep. I realize deep that. question. I, that's why we ended. Deep question. It, it's a loaded okay. question. It's a loaded question. Yes. Now, I, I've always considered myself an Elvis man. The past few years, I've been more leaning to the Beatles, but, but, looking at the Rolling Stones, the past, looking at the Rolling Stones, and looking at the Beatles revolutionized our society, not just our music. And so did the so did the Rolling Stones. You look at what Led Zeppelin did, another amazing band. And then you look at what the Rolling Stones did. Zeppelin may or may not have stolen some music, but you look at what the Rolling Stones did. They took Muddy Waters and they were their backup band. I mean, you look at the Beatles, amazing. Paul, Ringo, John, right? Yeah. George. Ringo is my favorite. <laughs> Jake doesn't want to hear favorite. that. <laughs> but but you look at what the Rolling Stones did. They really made rock and roll, rock and roll. I mean, like, the Beatles was, was the one punch, and then the Rolling Stones was the two punch, right? Or vice versa. Yeah, it's, it's been right, right? Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I know more baseball history than music. History. That's okay. We can do that. That's not a problem. I'm so- going Rolling Stones. Um... When growing up, I was not a fan, but as I'm maturing now, you know, Sir Paul, you, I mean, you can't talk. I mean, it's so difficult to say who's better. Well, that's why we end it. So you can make, he's basically give you the hardest question at the very end. So, and, and, and yeah, right. Romeo, as, as the biggest Beatles fan on the planet, I will say that only my great esteem for you keeps me from jumping into the conversation and, and writing all your wrongs. But, Look, we, we really appreciate your time tonight. Um, keep doing what you're doing. We love seeing you. We love seeing you at the games. We love the fact that you're, you know, active in the community, active with charities. And Scotty means every bit of it. He's going to work hard. Uh, we're both wow. going to work hard to to make sure that we can get this in front of as many people as possible. Because if anybody deserves a, a green jacket uh, amongst the rest of us, it's got to be you first. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty rock and roll, my friend. So I guess we'll see you at Fan Fest. Absolutely. I'll be first one in line. I figured you would be. So uh, we will see you January 31st at the front of the line. And uh, like I said, you guys, I appreciate everything. No problem. Thanks for talking to us tonight. Have a good one.
Scotty, you, you've just, uh, you just, you just committed one of the key issues. Yeah, yeah, you, you've committed a serious crime here, a, a, a real infraction. You've just turned down the Beatles. I always do that, though. Turn that back up. Thank you. All right, now we're going to have a real discussion here. FanFest is a mere, what, 26 days away at this point? Yeah, January 31st. And the Orioles have announced nothing Zip. about tickets for the, 25, the 2015 season. And there are a couple of reasons for this, and there, there are legitimate business reasons, and I think the Orioles are doing fine. Look, I'm not here to beat them up, but I want to talk about one of the reasons that the club is behind. Yeah. And that's this. Orioles fans, the Baltimore Orioles are going to be changing some ticket policies for the upcoming season. Allegedly. And that change, the, the, the change that will have the biggest impact on fans is this. Look. They're phasing out the 13-game plan. That wasn't said completely. It was just heavily implicated by Greg Bader when we talked to him. Well, we have, we have two pieces of data on this, and okay. I, and I want to I talk about this. The first is, is just as you indicated, on big episode 100, when we uh, talked to Greg Bader, we really appreciated him being with us, but he said that they were reevaluating the orange carpet uh, benefits program, the 13 game plan. He said it was really important to him personally to, to make sure that they had a affordable way for fans to interface with the team, but also that they had to to think about making a business move. Right. Um, we recently reached out to the team and asked them about this and the communication that we got back from the team um, said that they were um, no longer accepting deposits for 13-game plans and that when plans do go on sale, the smallest package available will be a 20-game plan with a minimum deposit of $375. Now, that's a deposit, so it doesn't mean the total. Th- that, that number means almost nothing. And that's for new plans and everything like that, too. Right. So um, I want to stop here. I want to stop and do something because, Scott, this may surprise you, but I have a pension. I have a, a, a problem that I run off the rails and freak out before I have all the details. No. I know that's going to shock you. Really? So I, I want to just stop here and be careful and say the following thing. One, we have no idea what's going on. We have no details from the club. And, and we have no idea whether or not current 13 plan uh, holders will be grandfathered in or if they'll be forced to upgrade to a 20 game plan or, or whatever. I suspect that the holdup on communication between the Orioles and the fans is that the Orioles don't know either. Yeah, I would they're, agree. They're weighing their options. I would agree with that. Um, given consideration that uh, FanFest tickets normally come with the season ticket offering, um, even if the Orioles were to go ahead and send out stuff this week, it is a very short window to get invoices out and also get invoice payments back into the Orioles and have FanFest tickets given out to fans as necessary. So... Am I saying it's impossible to do? Absolutely not. It's definitely within the realm of uh, the Orioles to do. Is time running very close to a deadline where FanFest has normally been the first time you can buy tickets? Absolutely. Which raises a few questions. It raises the question of, are, FanFest, are tickets going to be even offered for single-game plans at FanFest? You would think so because that's a very popular thing to buy tickets for the rest of the season at FanFest. And for the Orioles not to do that would be a little shocking. Well, let's let's start here. Um, you know, when the Orioles went to dynamic pricing, I I freaked out. I assumed that this was a new and interesting way for the team to gouge prices, to take advantage of the the, the fans. Now that the team had recorded some short short term success, and they they were using that momentum to really stick it to us. And, and I'll say, the dynamic pricing, you know, so far I don't have any major complaints. Right, exactly. I, I, I get that you know it costs more to see the Cardinals one one time than it costs to see the Tampa Bay Rays or or the well before this season before the Kansas you know the Kansas City Royals. I get that. That was the whole tier thing. So that wasn't really dynamic ticket pricing. The whole dynamic ticket pricing was again right walking up to the door and saying what's the what's going to be the soup du jour today basically. But the data really shows that in a lot of cases you can make out like a bandit by taking advantage of the dynamic pricing in a way that doesn't always benefit the team. Now, it benefits the team because it puts butts in the seats. Correct. But unlike the whole day of game surcharge, it, it you know, everybody won. The, but, the fans got a deal. The Orioles got those people in. The concessions were sold, all that stuff. So I'm just going to say— But it was unnerving to know, not knowing, yeah. going in there, being like, what is going to transpire here? So I'm going to say as, as, as suspicious 
as it looks. I'm going to try to reserve judgment. But let me just let me just go down the path that I would go if I was going to freak out. Can can I can, will what? you indulge me? One second. Let me go into the corner. One second. All right. I'm just pulling out the soapbox. Okay, go ahead and get on it. I really appreciate <laughs> no that. No problem. This is what I could be thinking. I could be thinking that the Orioles have won for three years now, and there is demand for Orioles tickets, and now they're really going to make the money, all the money they can. They're going to say, you know what? You guys with 13 game plans, we really appreciate your business while we sucked, but we don't need you anymore. We don't need you anymore because we got this line of people out the door that are asking for season tickets, and we're going to tell all these people that they got to pay uh, for a 20-game plan. And you know what? While we're at it, we're going to tell you you got to pay for a 20-game plan. We're going to tell you you got to pay for a 20-game plan because if you don't want to do it, there will be a huge group of people behind you that are waiting to do it. People want to buy Oriole tickets, and they don't care if it's 20 games, if it's 25 games, whatever. We know we can make that money. And the reason that we know we can do it is because we tie season ticket plans to perks like guaranteed playoff tickets, guaranteed opening day tickets. And as you and I both know, Scott, the Orioles season ticket plan and its its benefits are really great. Absolutely. They're incredibly flexible with trading in tickets. They are incredibly fl- If you miss a game on your season ticket plan, they have like 20 games that you can trade in for a dollar. 29 they, games, actually, to be specific. It, it is an incredibly civilized series of, of benefits that you get for being a season ticket holder. And the Orioles know that there are people that are willing to buy in for that. Yeah. And so we're at the situation now where if, again, I was being cynical or if I was being, you know, as I would have been before this whole dynamic pricing thing, I could get really spun up about the fact that the team is basically turning its back on entry-level season ticket holders. You know, these are the people that maybe don't have the bucks to buy the 29-game plan. You know, they don't have the money available to them to buy the, the full game plan. But what they're doing, they're, they're taking what money they have and they're putting it into building a relationship with the team, into being there. You know, Masson has that whole thing. Be there. Be there. They, they're being there for as much as they can. And I think that... that um, again, if I were being cynical, you would want to say you need to have something available to fans that can't necessarily spend all that money to be able to lock in. That's the difference between baseball and football. You know, I can't afford to be a football season ticket holder. Right. But I can afford to have at least some uh, connection to the team in a, a, se- a meaningful season ticket way, you know, because there are 80, 81 games. So, again, I don't want to run off the rails and get all ranty, but the danger is there. You know, the danger really is there that the team could be taking advantage of the fact that now there's some demand, finally, which which tastes funny after 14 years of losing. I understand that to a certain regard. Um, when we were talking to Bader, I mentioned briefly that, you know, other teams have started to adopt this 20-game plan. Um, the Orioles are certainly not the only team that offers a 13-game plan as part of season ticket holders, but a lot of teams have gone to a 20-game plan. Specifically in the local region, the Washington Nationals and the Pittsburgh Pirates, as of recently, um, both those Teams offer certain packages that are not specifically designated for season ticket holders, but you could buy like a six game plan or an eight game plan or like a holiday pack was a big thing back in the day for the Orioles. Mm-hmm. I can easily see them coming back um, again. The dugout club is still readily available for people that have kids. Um, so you could go out and attend a plethora of games for a very cheap price up in the left field upper reserve if you so choose. But I understand where you're coming from to Force the aspect of saying we're going to switch people off from a 13-game plan to a 20-game plan, not just for the flexibility for the ticket exchange, but to get the perk of getting your postseason tickets but also getting opening day, it does put somewhat of a distaste in your mouth. Um, I'd also like to go through the orange carpet plan, and yes, the flexibility is there, but besides the flexibility, there really isn't a lot of additional perks that are in the orange carpet plan. And I think the Orioles do a good job with that flexibility, but I think the Orioles need to take a step back and take a look at some of the other plans that are offered by people like the nationals and people like the pirates and maybe, you know, spin it around to a different regard. So I'm going to Jake, I'm going to go through with you really quickly. Some of the experiences that you could have with the pirates as a 20 game holder. I'm listening. Okay. They have a, um, They've got a VIP experience at Pirates Fest, so like you could go to Fan Fest, and there would be a VIP experience for you to go. A season ticket holder's uh, area. Correct. They have a they have another experience, which is a pregame tailgate right outside the stadium, which is pretty cool, I think. Nice. Um, they have a uh, situation where you can go and watch fireworks on the field, which I think is pretty cool. 
Um, and one thing that I think is really interesting is they have a baseball analytics talk with Neil Huntington, uh, uh, who operates baseball operations. So they go through a sabermetrics course through the Pirates organization for 20-game holder plans. I want you to stop for a second because yes. I'm about to say something that will surprise you. Yes. I am not mocking you. Yes. I think that is really cool. Now, like as, said, as as someone who is not in love with sabermetrics, right. I would absolutely take advantage of that. Right. And there's other things, too. Like, for example, it's this is the lowest tier. For a person that is, you know, a full season ticket holder, and those people are out there, there's some really cool things that the Pirates do. For example... Swedish masseuse. Well, no, not exactly. But, you know, for example, you can attend batting practice on the field. That's pretty cool. Um, they have a situation where they it's called alumni suite night. So you go into the suite, and there are alumni from that team in the suite with you at the same time. They've got sounds pretty sweet. Golf tournaments that you can go. There's luncheons with the GM and the manager. This is the coolest one I think for all for an 81 game plan holder for the for the Pirates. You can take a trip to a Pirates road game with the team. Nice. I think that'd be really cool for the Orioles to do more of. Go and, ahead. And, and let me say, you know, when we talked to Greg Bader in November, what he said was we're reevaluating the orange carpet program. Yep. And I think what you just said gives me a little bit of hope. When I heard that originally, what I heard was, we're going to keep the 13-game plan, but we're going to rob it of all of its benefits. You can buy 13 games, and we're happy to take your money, but you can't get a ticket to opening day. That's going to be reserved for 20 games and above. You aren't going to be guaranteed playoff tickets. That's going to be reserved for 20 games and above. That's what I heard. But from what you just told me there with the, the Pirates, that leaves me to believe that maybe they're going to take this 20-game package and they're going to say, yeah, we realize this costs more money, but we're willing to give you more for it. You right. know, the ball game experience, but also the the interaction experience of being a, a, a season game plan partner with the team. Right. I, I think, again, trying not to just freak out, which is my signature right. move. You know, Maybe we should, again, we keep saying, give the Orioles the benefit of the doubt until we hear the details. Correct. And the other thing I'll come back and say is, let's come back to the whole flexibility aspect. If the Orioles are given the aspect of, you know, being able to do flexible, you know, people, you're going to basically buy a season ticket plan for the cheapest around $170 to $180. If you need to buy an additional, go up to a 20-game plan, you're going to be putting out about $270 at the cheapest per seat. So it's about a $90 increase in terms of what you're looking at. Honestly, $90 is enough for me to have that additional flexibility of trading seats in and be able to move into the lower bowl if I want to as well. Bring the kids to the game if I want to as well. Um, it's definitely something that I will do. Even if I don't go to 20 games, I'll go to 14 games and I'll be able to trade up and go sit where I want to go sit. So folks, I, I think we need to, like Jake said, give the Orioles the benefit of the doubt. They are going to do this in a smart and economic fashion. Um, they've got a ton of new season ticket holders that put deposits down. They're not going to throw everybody underneath the bus and say, we're going to try to cast away this business that we just got. And, and I think that's an important point. I, I'm sorry to interrupt that's you, right. but you know, we're season ticket holders and, and we want to make sure that we're taken care of and all that other stuff. But you know, we want other people to be in the club too. Yes. You know, we, we, I have been there for empty ballpark. You know, I, I've been there for games where it's 5,000 of my closest friends. I don't want that anymore. You know, I want that rocking stadium experience. I want everybody else out there to be able to experience the same things that, that we experience, especially now that the Orioles are good. Absolutely. So, if, you know, if the Orioles can do it in such a fashion that they can bring people in and they can make it worth their while, I'll at least wait to hear what they say before I freak out. But but in summation, Orioles, get on ball and get some get some invoices out. It's, it's time to make a decision. Absolutely. Get back to work. Um. So with that, Jake, I think it's time we go ahead and um, we blow the save. All right. Well, we can blow the save. And, and Scotty, I'm going to try to do this in as, as sensible fashion as I can because the subject that we're going to talk about is a little bit the feels. Yeah. No, 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 that's not true. It's it's it, all of the feels. Yeah, it's a lot of the feels. Um, as I'm sure everyone who's listening knows, Stuart Scott died yesterday. And, um, you know, we think we know celebrities. We think we know them because they're beamed into our television or our computer or our smartphone. We feel a connection with them because they're part of our daily experience. We feel a connection with them because we look up to them, either with respect or with envy. Uh, and the truth is we don't know them. We don't know these people, and, and I don't know Stuart Scott as a, as, a, as a man. I don't know him personally. And he, though he was a staple for the network back when I used to watch ESPN, the real re reason that I feel such a loss about this is because 
of the way he carried himself during his illness and the way his colleagues and friends have reacted to his loss. And if you go back to that SV speech, you know the one. It would be enough to praise Stuart Scott for his work at ESPN because I think he did a great job. And it would still be better to remember him as someone who was positive and defiant in the face of, of a horrible illness. But my lasting impression of, of him is someone that got it with a capital G. Someone for whom the most important thing in the world was being a dad to his two daughters, for being there for his girlfriend, for being a part of his family. Family came first and everything else was just noise. And this is a guy who had a lot that, that could have been a distraction. And we'll miss the colorful catchphrases, but the person that is underneath, the one that was exposed during that SB speech, the person that was exposed by the reaction of his friends and colleagues, that's, I think, the real true terrible loss and the reason that so many of us are touched by you know, a brief byline in a story. So um, we're, we're ending the podcast on a, on a low note, but I just want to say you know, we feel the loss of Stuart Scott, and um, we just want to make sure that we address it in some way. Booyah, Jake. Booyah. So with that, Jake, um, way to end the uh, podcast on a very happy note. Um, it's what I do. But anyway, again, this podcast is all about family, friends, and going out there and doing the best that you can. Again, that's why we talked to Romeo Santos today about everything that he does as an Orioles fan, but also for the community. So again, we'd like to thank Romeo. Go to Bird's Eye View. Go sign the petition to get Romeo Santos into the Orioles Hall of Fame. Um, we really look forward to pushing that up to FanFest and Maybe we'll see him in a green jacket this year. If not, we'll keep pushing every single year until we can make this happen. Amen. Um, with that, I guess we'll just keep waiting for more Orioles news. Apparently, the lunch and dinner went okay with Kobe Rasmus. Jake, um, besides that, nothing else really going on. So I guess we'll say our our goodbyes. Yeah. Do we get It's Just Lunch with Buck soon? Um, maybe a part of the Orange Carpet program. Like that. Yeah. All right. Baltimore and beyond, I bid you a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.